Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Femmegard podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Mm, All right, welcome back, Fem Fam, to another episode with a fantastic <laughs> guest. So, our guest today, um, I'll talk about how I heard about her, but she is like super big upcoming horror, like. Remember her name, guys, because she's going to blow up real soon. I'm just going to say that. I mean, she's already pretty successful, but she's definitely going mm-hmm. to get bigger. Um, so today oh, we yeah. have... Girls going places. Sure. So today we have Chelsea Stardust. She is a director. Her first feature film, the science fiction thriller All That We Destroy, which, by the way, is going to be number one on my watch list now because I haven't watched it yet and I'm really excited to after talking to her. Um, but it was part of the Blumhouse girl, series same. Into the Dark, which I believe is on Hulu. And her second feature, the horror comedy Satanic Panic, um, was produced by Fangoria and Cinestate, which are also big names. And it's super fun. I watched it. I loved it. Um, initially, she worked in comedy alongside legends Ivan Reitman and Judd Apatow, gaining experience on films such as Funny People and Bridesmaids. But her heart always took her back to horror. And she moved to working on the sets of several paranormal activity films, as well as well as other high-profile horror films. And then she got her chance, and she's been directing ever since. So, guys, I'm really excited for you to hear her and just listen to us all nerd out about horror. <laughs> oh, yeah, guys. She, like, her story is just really inspiring, and the the... I mean, she worked with these huge Mm. production companies and directors and producers. So it's just, it's so cool to see how she got started. I mean, she like really was, timing was in her Mm. favor and it was just cool to see that she really, she really worked it for herself and um, was really patient about her journey and and the process and uh, it's just going to keep going for her. So we're really excited. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Krista Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can contact us at info at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. 
So, Femme Fam, today we have the lovely Chelsea Stardust, who I was introduced to through my friend Ryan Larson, who um, is really into the horror world, and he was like, hey, I have this badass female horror director, I would love for you to get to talk to her, and so we had Chelsea on our list, we were about to reach out to her, and then I saw my other friend, Sarah Nicklin, shared something on Instagram with Chelsea, and I was like, oh, this is awesome, like, all my friends in horror know her, (laughs) and then I (laughs) realized later i i'm so bad with movie titles for whatever reason especially in horror i'm always like wait what's that one about and then i'll tell you if i saw it which i had watched satanic panic um i think last year maybe and loved it and we'll get more into that a little later today but i was like oh that's even better like i already know that i love her work (laughs) so welcome chelsea thank you for coming on today Thank you for having me. And I love Ryan and I love Sarah. And so I love when worlds collide. So that's awesome. (laughs) Totally. That's something we're so excited about with this podcast is like, that just keeps happening to us. The more people we meet, the more they know our friends already. And like, it's just, it's so cool. Yeah, it is. And you're like, you know what, this is a really cool hub that we, we have here, you know, as filmmakers. And it just, it's cool to see everyone become fans of each other's work. Even, you know, I am excited for our listeners who aren't like in the horror mm-hmm. world, but are curious about it or want to produce to get, yeah, get to know your work. So thank you again. Like this is, a, yeah, it's always exciting to see everyone connect. Yeah. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit like how you even got started. I mean, we were kind of looking at um, at your bio and like you seem to really like hit the ground running right out of the gate. But like what even led you up to that? Like, did you go to film school? What made you fall in love with all this? All that kind of background. Uh, My journey. You want to know my journey? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let me try to sum it up as uh, quickly and concisely as I can. So um, yeah, I've loved movies my entire life. Um, I'm the daughter of artists. Both my parents are fine artists. And uh, so I grew up in the art world. Um, And I just always loved film and my parents loved movies. We watched movies every night and uh, we'd have movie marathons and things like that. And they always wanted to educate me about cinema. Um, and one of my favorite holidays is, or my, my favorite holiday is Halloween. And so that sort of was my intro to the scarier movies um, with like universal monsters. And then I saw Night of the Living Dead and I fell in love. And I was like, I think I, think I want to make movies. Like I knew at a pretty young age that that's what I wanted to do. And so, um, you know, my parents were like, okay, you know, I, I grew up during like with a video camera documenting Mm -hmm. my childhood because that was, you know, it was the eighties video cameras were (laughs) like people could buy them at that point. So, um, you know, I grew up with one, uh, and my dad's like, yeah, if you want to take this out and shoot some stuff with it. And that's what I did. And then in high school, um, I took a continuing education film class um, where we shot on Super 8 and we were cutting and splicing. And yes, yeah, so that. Uh, I've always wanted to learn that. It's That's awesome. so cool. I, <laughs> Is it really tedious I mean, though? I, I, not, not particularly. Like I loved doing it, but you kind of have to know, you know, what you want to do. Like, I mean, you can of course undo something, but you know, and we were doing like a lot of experimental stuff and we were writing on film and dyeing the film and doing all sorts of crazy stuff like that. But, um, I loved doing that. 
Yeah, wow. it, was, it was so fun. And I still have my super eight camera. Um, and then, you know, I knew I wanted to go to film school and, um, I went to Ohio university, which is this, you know, small liberal arts college in Ohio. And, um, it was a great experience. The film program there was really small. And so, you know, I knew I'd get access to equipment and it was very diverse. So there's people from, you know, all over the world who are coming to this program and, you know, it was such an incredible, that in itself was an education. Um, and, you know, I shot on super 16 film there. So it was a lot of 16 millimeter, a little bit of digital, but that was again, like before, you know, digital is what everyone was using. So, and I was such like a film purist, like I was like films the way, like that's the only thing. And of course now it's like such a different world. Um, but, (laughs) uh, so, so went through college and I had an internship during college for, um, heyday films out here in Los Angeles. So, um, I came out for the summer because originally I was going to go to New York City, but then I came out to LA and I was on the Warner Brothers lot because they were making the Harry Potter movies at the time, the company I was working for. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like it's beautiful here. Of course, when you're <laughs> on the lot, it's like everything is happening, you know? Right. And so I was like, yeah, I think I want to come to California. So I went back to school, did my senior thesis film. And after I graduated, like literally graduated, like walked across the stage, packed up my house in, at college, came back home. And I got a call from the woman I worked for at Heyday. And she was like, Hey, I moved companies. Are you still moving out here? Because I need a new assistant. And I was like, I'll be there in five days. So I literally <laughs> like packed up my life and bought a, like got a car that was like my graduation present and packed up my life and moved and drove across the country and started working for her like immediately. So, and she had moved companies. So she went to, she was at Montecito Picture Company, which is Ivan Reitman's company. So you're talking Ghostbusters and Stripes and old school, like legit old school comedy. So um, that was, and I had never been an assistant before. I, (laughs) and I was in like, I was in film school (laughs) like learning about like how to shoot, how to light, loading cameras, all that stuff, like how to direct um, editing. But then to do, do an assistant job, like they don't teach you that stuff in film school. They don't teach you how to do that. Like right. at that point, I don't even think we were taught like what the Hollywood reporter was or variety or anything like that. So it's, or what the, you know, big agencies were or who was running those agencies. So it was definitely a learning curve, but she was so <laughs> lovely and so patient with me and just like believed in me and which was Aww. incredible. And so I worked there for, for two years and you know, I was in, so I was in the comedy world and then I had an opportunity to interview to be Judd Apatow's assistant, did that, got that Holy job. Shit. So I was one of four <laughs> assistants, um, for Judd, but that was during, so I was on set for, um, get him to the Greek and funny people and bridesmaids. So I was with him during that time, but like comedy, wow. my heart wasn't really in it. He knew my heart wasn't really in it. And so I was like, God, I don't know how to get into the horror world. Cause I started in comedy and they were like, yeah, we don't know anyone in that world. We don't know anything about those movies, but, but good luck to you. <laughs> so, um, and so I was just, it was, the, you know, I was like, okay, well, I got to figure out what to do next. And an assistant friend, um, she was like, Hey, there's this guy who's looking for an assistant. He's promoting his assistant. So, you know, he needs someone to replace her. Um, his name is Jason Blum. And I looked him up and he had two credits at that time. Like it was the reader 
and paranormal activity. And I was like, oh, I saw paranormal activity. I liked that. And I think that had come out just like a couple of years before this. So we're in like, this is 2010. Um, so she's like, you should interview. So I applied. And of course, when people see like Ivan Reitman or Judd Apatow on a resume, they're like, oh, maybe we should bring this person in. And so I met with his assistant. I met with him, um, immediately hit it off because he loves Hitchcock as do I, I have a Hitchcock tattoo. So we had something to kind of like start, you know, conversation starter. (laughs) Um, and you know, he's like, all right, you're hired. Uh, and so that, so I started in January of 2011 working as his assistant and insidious came out that April. And then mm-hmm. everything started to change. So I watched it become like the sort of empire it is now. Um, and I left, um, I told him, I'm like, listen, I want to be a director. I don't want to get promoted in this, uh, in this company, unless you're going to have me direct a movie. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. be a creative executive. I don't want to do any of that stuff. So I will be your assistant until I'm ready to take the leap to directing. So I was always mm-hmm. like really clear with him upfront about my path, my my trajectory. And he was like, okay, great. So cut to four years later. Um, I, I ended up. Which I love that you did that. I think that's like really, I mean, people sometimes are scared to speak up about what they really want or the path they want to take because a, they, they're fearful of ruining an opportunity at starting at a company. Like that's very like prestigious or, you know, like whoever your employer is, you're like, I don't want to upset them or get them to like, not give me this chance. So like, what, like, was there, was that just, uh, just something you made a decision to yourself before, you know, starting with this company that I'm just going to be very clear and I'm going to just say what I want and go for it. And I didn't like, is, is that just what you just made that a priority? I didn't, I didn't want to in that sense. (laughs) Cause that's yeah. Yeah. scary. No, totally. It is. And I, but I didn't want to ever be sort of misleading in the sense of like, if, if it came time for me to get promoted to then turn that down would feel not good. So mm-hmm. instead I wanted to be clear about like, listen, here's what I know you need from me, like to organize your entire life and basically run your life for you in return. Like I need, basically I was like, I need to be able to go to set like on the weekends and you know, when night shoots, I want to be allowed to do that. And you know, introduced me to the directors, you know, when, which obviously I'm like scheduling stuff with them. And, uh, you know, it was so such an, I was there at such an early time that now it's like, I have like Lee Winnell as a mentor and Chris Landon as a mentor and James Wan as a mentor and Adam Robitaille as a mentor. So I'm like, so thankful that I have that had that experience because that helped Mm. me and to be on set for, I mean, almost every movie that was made in LA in those like four years, I was on set for it at some point or another. So, um, and you know, I wanted to be clear of like, I don't want to be a producer. I want to be a director and to just try to absorb as much as I could while I was there, like the notes process and the studio system and like all that stuff. So, um, you know, it was, uh, I just felt it was the right thing to, to do. And he and I had such a good relationship that I always, it was always really clear with him about that stuff. So, mm-hmm. but then, you know, it got to a point where I was like, I think I'm, I think it's time. Like it's been four years. Whiplash was about to go to the Oscars. And also he had some stuff changing in his life. He was about to have kids. And I was like, I know things are going to change drastically when that happens. Um, and I said, <laughs> I was like, this feels like the right time for me to, to, to move on. So 
Um, he, he said, absolutely. I support you. Um, and he's like, you should go direct some short films for Crypt TV because I, Crypto just was just starting then. And I hadn't directed anything since college. So it was like, I was like, fuck this. It's like, what has it been? Ten, it was like 10 years or something had gone by at this point, seven or eight years, maybe. And I was like, that's a long time. I need to show that I'm still like a competent director <laughs> this yeah. many years later. <laughs> and after all, you know, years and years, like eight years of learning from all different people. Um, and so he's like, let me, you know, put a call in and put you on their radar. And that's what he did. And I, and I left the company. It was like a, you know, he, he ended up calling me a couple of times after that to see if I would come back. <laughs> it's like, well, you, can you come back? Like, and I had to explain, I was like, no assistant is going to be as good as me because, and not to like be pretentious about it, but it's true because I was there while the, com- I grew with the company, but nice. to thrust someone into that, that hadn't been with them or no, like I knew him like as well as he knew himself probably. So to, you know, I was like, no, one's going to have that kind of like, know everything about you right at the start. So you just have to give someone time to get to know you and the company and, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So, um, but as he's like, I know, I know, I just really wish you would come back. <laughs> and I said, maybe one day I will. Aww. And, um, uh, but I ended up, uh, doing, um, I did seven short films, uh, almost all of them were for Crypt TV, which was really great to be able to exercise those muscles again, kind of form a crew um, that I worked really well with. And meanwhile, while I'm shooting all these short films, I'm also assisting directors because you can't survive on making short films. So um, I assisted a TV director and a commercial director. And then I assisted Adam Robitel on Insidious 4. So I ended up coming back into the Blumhouse family because I was like, hadn't done anything in TV. So I wanted to know about that. Hadn't done anything in the commercial world, wanted to know about that. Um, and, and then working with Adam on Insidious, the last key was one of the best experiences of my life. Cause I was able to shadow him. So I was by his side the whole time. And, you know, he would ask me, you know, my opinions on things and scenes, and I was able to just watch him work and listen to him kind of talk to his, his actors and his crew and that experience, I'm like so thankful for and so grateful for because that taught me so much. Um, and then I, I was sending like scripts to Blumhouse that I was attached to to be like, how about this one? Do you want to make this one? What about this one? What about this one? <laughs> and so finally, I think it was like the 10th thing I had sent them, which was all that we destroy. And they're mm-hmm. like, this is the movie we want to make with you. And so I got to make my first movie with my alma mater with Blumhouse. And I sort of was able to transition from being seen as an assistant to being seen as a director, as a creative. And I think that it's really difficult to do because a lot of times, you know, people will be an assistant for someone and they'll think of them as disposable and Mm -hmm. they will maybe not pay attention to what that person wants to do with their life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we'll be like, you're an assistant to me. And that's all I see you as. So for exactly. them to recognize, like, think of me as something other than that. Um, and then to say, here's money. We trust you go make a movie um, was a big deal. And then, you know, it became part of into the dark. It was the mother's day sequence or mother's day segment, which of course was perfect for, for what that movie is about. Um, <laughs> and, you know, keep in mind, it's taken me like at this point, I've been working for 10 years trying, like, since I came to LA, trying to get a movie made, which took 
you know, it's a long time to like patiently wait, quote unquote, wait your turn um, mm-hmm. while you're fighting to get something made. Um, and then it happened, like we shot it, oh, let's see, we're in, this is 2021, we shot it in 2018, yeah, 2018. Um, and we're come. actually, I think, what's today? Tomorrow will be uh, the anniversary of when we wrapped that movie. Oh, wow. Like the, this February 17th, 2018 was our, I think our last day of shooting. Um, so I shot that and then I was in post and then I got satanic panic. And then I shot that in like September, October, or was it maybe it was October, November of 2018 as well. And then they both came out in 2019. So I was like posting them simultaneously. Like one came out on Hulu at the beginning of May, 2019, the other premiered at Overlook at the end of May in 2019. It was like those two years of my life were so insane I bet. That, <laughs> that it was just like, like I was, you know, doing promo for destroy. And then, you know, satanic panic was in like 20 festivals or more. Um, so I was doing a festival run for that. And then it came out on shutter and the Blu-ray and all that and VHS and vinyl and all that stuff. And then right as everything wrapped up, like finished, fully done, like it's your work's not done until that DVD is like on the shelf. Um, And then the (laughs) pandemic hit and 2020, you know, and then, you know, I'm thankful that I got all that stuff done beforehand because I know a lot of people had to release films during a pandemic and that was not easy. But, um, you know, that's and then here we are in 2021 and I'm getting ready to shoot my next movie. So that's. That's yeah. the journey. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your timing has just been like impeccable. And, you know, maybe half of it is luck, but like, you know, because you got in like with Jason Blum, like before he blew up, you know, you got to learn and like follow him with that. I mean, even before that with like Judd Apatow and all of that, like you just really got to work with some amazing people, like because you had the chance to, because of the timing with it, you know, and then you know, you say like, well, 10 years is a really long time to finally get your movie made. But, you know, everybody else is out there like making their first feature and it's not going anywhere except maybe some festivals. And you ended up being able to, you know, make your first feature with Blumhouse or, you know, distribute yeah. it through Blumhouse and everything. So it just, yeah, like the timing has been working out amazing. And then to get all of that done and wrapped like right before the pandemic is like, yeah, exactly. I was just going to do that same, like wipe your brow. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Race against time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so uh, thankful for all of that. And yeah, that's, that's the other thing is it's like, I was sort of nervous um, with all that we destroy because I was like, man, if this is an indie movie, if this comes out theatrically and doesn't make any money, I'll be seen as like a box office failure. And it's, you know, especially as a, as a woman, everyone's like always paying attention to that stuff. (laughs) And uh, you know, you're not as, uh, they don't give us second chances as often. Um, but, uh, I was, so, I was so thankful it came out on a streaming platform because I was like, well, there, there's no box office numbers that <laughs> they can say, well, mm. <laughs> no, it's like, you know, and it did, you know, got a lot of tons of buzz on, on Hulu, which was really great. And so I'm really thankful about that. <laughs> so I was like, okay, whew, relieved. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. What do you think kept you going or I guess just like the, the patience that for through that 10 year decade before you could finally like direct something that was really yours? Like, was it just 
the learning aspect, like really just enjoying that and knowing, you know what, I will have my time. Like what really kept you going through all that time and not specifically directing? Yeah, I want to say I just felt like I had more to learn. I was just like, I still mm-hmm. want to, I want to make sure I kind of have this knowledge and this knowledge and this knowledge. And um, I wanted to just keep learning from all different directors. And, you know, so then I kind of felt, and also, you know, I don't come from money. <laughs> like I, I don't come from money at all. So I couldn't just not have a job yeah. and just go write something or go direct something. Like I had to be working a day job constantly. So, so quitting Blumhouse was so scary. Um, but I had saved money because I knew I'd be leaving eventually. And then I ended up having to keep working, assisting directors, but I was also clear with them. This is going to be short term. Like, I'm not going to be your assistant for like four years. I'm going to be your assistant for this one project, like temporarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like, you know, they would then say, well, can you, why don't you stay longer? And I was like, I can't, I got to make my movies. I have yeah. to like, and I just kept pushing forward, but that's sort of the thing where I was like, I just need to keep learning. And then I got to a point, like after I was on Insidious 4 from basically start to finish, I was like, okay, I've been on a production, all seen it all the way through with the director, like by their side. Now I feel like I can go do this. Like after watching Adam, I was like, okay, that kind of gave me the confidence I needed to go off mm-hmm. and do it. And also having done the short films, learning from the short films too, mm-hmm. of like, oh yeah, there's this thing and that thing and this thing. And you're still always learning. Like there's still some things I'm not, I don't, you know, know very well because I haven't had the opportunity to work with them a lot. Like VFX is still something I'm learning because I haven't used a lot of VFX yet. So, and that's something that is exciting to me. So, you know, you're always learning as a filmmaker, you're always kind of adjusting, I think. And uh, yeah, so that's, and a lot of patience. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I love too that you, you know, made it a point to like, yes, you started in comedy and you knew that wasn't really your thing. So then you moved to horror because you got that opportunity. But then like after that, you know, assisting, you said TV and commercial directors and, you know, all that stuff, like you did to make it a point to get to see all those different worlds. So you knew, you know, what their styles were and what the expectations were and everything, because you know, even if you know that you want to make horror features and that's your thing, like it's good to know what everybody else is doing and what the expectations are everywhere else, because, you know, so you get an opportunity for a horror series and it's like, oh, I had this idea for a feature, but maybe I can turn it into a series. And, you know, so it's just really good to have that whole knowledge base, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure there's humor there's humor in horror too right so it's just like i think fun to also you know play with that girl have you listened to hags yet oh my god yes let's tell the fam about it so hags is a weekly podcast dedicated to deconstructing and demystifying how society values gender by asking key questions like for the love of god why Yep. And each episode begins by celebrating a boss ass bitch from throughout history before tackling our ever changing understanding of modern intersectional feminism through history, pop culture, current events, personal anecdotes, and embarrassing childhood stories. Co hosts Riley Rose Critchlow and Nicole Wyland are frequently joined by special guests like Gates McFadden, Troy and Belisario, Gina Susanna, Liz Jenkins. Brianna Cuoco, Ioni Butler, Jazz Thornton, and Jen Mora from Voices of Hope, and many more. The show is produced by Alex Reeves and Point of Blue Studios. 
follow them across the social medias at Hags Podcast for more. Um, I haven't seen your films yet, so like, talk to us a little bit about your style and like what what is it that you what segment of horror do you really go for? Because there's a lot of little subgenres. Yeah, there. I mean, I am such a fan of the genre, so I'm a fan of pretty much like almost every subgenre. I've you know seen a ton of horror films. I love them. They're sort of my comfort. Um, but in terms of like me personally, like all horror films just are inspire me. And when I'm sort of in a creative lull, I, I'll put one on and be like, oh yeah, right. This is why I love doing what I do. So um, <laughs> yeah, from like, it's all, it's all about the material. It all comes down to the script. It's just, that's sort of how it all starts and just with all that we destroy which is a science fiction thriller I guess I'll say so that's it falls into more science fiction I think um that was written for me that script um the writer specifically wrote it for me to direct um and I what I loved about it is that it's a little bit of we need to talk about Kevin it's a little bit of Black Mirror um it's a little bit of Psycho you know so the you know thinking about all those those um references yeah. And, and it's a little yeah. ex machina too. So I, you know, I, I helped develop the script and the thing I sort of look for, like pretty much everything I'm making is I, I pay, want to pay attention to the female characters in the film. That's what I'm always looking for is how the, how women are represented within the script. And that's sort of my, I guess my thing that I look for, quote unquote, um, and so I thought it was so fascinating that this story was about how far a mother would go to protect her son. So the fact that, you know, she, she walks in on her son killing a girl and instead of, you know, saying, you know, I, I need to do the right thing. Like this isn't okay. Instead, she clones the girl over and over again for her son to kill as a form of therapy. So instead of like, maybe sending him oh getting so twisted instead she's like okay well if you're gonna do this I want it to be controlled and you can always come home and do this but maybe you can have a life if it's like so and you know I'm not it's her motherly like instincts to like want to protect her child and like accept him totally and like yeah definitely like those psycho how how far she'll go and so you know, and I'm not going to give any spoilers, but there, then there were movies, you know, I thought about like Poltergeist and The Exorcist and Cujo. And you don't always think about, you know, in, in Poltergeist, you know, Diane Freeling goes to another dimension to save her daughter in The Exorcist. Um, she's willing to entertain the idea of an exorcism to save her daughter. And then in Cujo, she's fighting a killer dog to save her child. So it's like, I always thought that was really fascinating. Um, And so I wanted to explore that a little bit. And like, you know, when you see the movie, the conversation that I always bring up is nature versus nurture, which makes sense when you see it. So, um, you know, so that, that's what I loved about that. And then in terms of satanic panic, which couldn't be more different from (laughs) all that we destroy, which is a horror comedy. Like speaking of, I mean, horror and comedy do go hand in hand. There's a reason like when you go see a horror movie and you scream at something that you laugh immediately after, like it's such a release. And for me, it's like cathartic. Like I find horror to be very cathartic. And 
It's oh, the I best. I love it. I love a good <laughs> yeah. scream. Like, get something to jump out at me. I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> it is so <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> and so I wanted to do something like, yeah, yeah. One of the, I loved Grady's script. Like, Grady Hendrix wrote that. I was a director for hire for that movie. And so, you know, I had notes on the script and I'm such a fan of Grady. So, you know, when... And and horror comedy is also very difficult. Like tonally, it's so hard. Um, but I had great actors who were able to execute it perfectly. Um, and but it's also you know horror comedy. It, it can be a little bit polarizing. It's not for everybody. So not everyone likes horror comedies. So that's something you always have to like keep in mind. But horror has such a it's a it has a built in audience. Like there are horror fans that will watch every single horror movie that comes out. Like your movie will become someone's favorite movie, which is like something really cool to think about. And I had people mm-hmm. coming up to me saying like you inspire, a lot of women coming up to me saying you inspired me to be a filmmaker or like, like hearing that stuff. Like when you're at a festival and someone coming up and be like, I think I want to direct, like I want to do what you do is like the, the most validating, amazing thing to hear. Yeah. And especially from young women too. And so it's like uh, really, um, uh, really magical. And, you know, that's satanic panics, my slumber party movie. Like I want mm-hmm. people to watch it. Like when, you know, 15 year olds, 16 year olds having a slumber party to watch that movie. And maybe it inspires them to pursue filmmaking. So, you know, they're both very different movies. And then my next film is a really dark comedy, um, with some like horror elements to it, but I'm always like exploring different. When you talked about subgenres, like I'm always exploring different subgenres. Um, you know, and then there's stuff that I, I'm attached to a bunch of projects and I, you know, I love slasher films and I love, you know, the science fiction stuff and I love creature features and I love holiday horror. And, you know, there's so many, I really would love to make a witch movie because there's only one witch movie that's directed by a woman. They're all directed by men, which I think is very interesting. Um, (laughs) But you know, so, so there's all, I, I want to keep exploring the genre, but also there's things outside of horror that I want to do as well. So, um, mm-hmm. but that's sort of, you know, the genre I gravitate towards. And there's, again, like, it's the only genre that has a fan base. That's like a built-in fan base that there are conventions in almost every state dedicated to horror. You don't see like, you know, the, uh, the North Carolina drama film festival necessarily it's like always right. the horror horror gets in science fiction like they there's more festivals for that genre than anything else so being able to really interact with the fans is is great and really special because what would we be without them so yeah I'd love to talk about that a little bit just um the horror genre like it's I, I've always been a fan of horror like every kind of horror um but I didn't really learn about like I don't even know how I want to say this, the community of it and the history of it and all that kind of stuff until like coming out here and becoming a filmmaker myself. And it's like the horror community, especially out here in LA is like so tight, like so many people know each other and you see like the same actors over and over again. And like, you know, whatever level of like tier of horror film and whatever, but it's so interesting to hear people's conversations about the subgenres of horror too. And like his horror is it tends to like separate itself or get separated from like every other genre of movie right like when people say genre movies they usually mean like horror and it's like it's just weird that it's so like separate from everything else in my mind but yeah there are so many different kinds of subgenres of horror it's kind of crazy and I just kind of laugh when people are so like 
elitist about separating all of those two, you know, like Carolina and I are writing what I would call a thriller right now, but when we were still coming up with the idea for it and by us writing, I really mean she's writing it, but I'm helping her with the creation of it. Um, but you know, we were, couldn't do it without you, Tess. <laughs> My backboard. You need one. But like we were saying, you know, like, well, does this fall into like almost sci-fi or would it be kind of a horror because of the psychological element of it? And it's almost like it doesn't really matter, <laughs> you know, as long as you can throw it somewhat in like a thriller or horror, horror, you know, vein. But that's just always interesting to me how people are so like exact about separating it all out. Which also brings me to like comedy horror, like campy horror and stuff like that. Like I know me personally, like when I was younger, I didn't really get it. Like I just thought they were like bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean? But now I love a good campy horror. And like even, you know, like American Horror Story, I usually like the seasons that nobody else does because <laughs> I'm like, these are so clever. Like how are people not getting that he's making fun of himself? And You know, yeah, yeah. like. So, um, yeah, I just think like comedy horror is such a fun genre and I think it gets misunderstood a lot. <laughs> um, but I love that, like, yeah, Satanic Panic. I mean, five minutes in, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. All right. This is fun. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, it's always an interesting conversation when, you know, how people kind of react to genres or they're very specific about it. And yes, we're, we're. I, I always get a, what I get sort of annoyed about is when someone's like, oh, I don't like horror movies. Like that mm. is one of my biggest pet peeves. He's like, oh, I don't watch those movies. And then I'm like, did you see The Exorcist? Did you see The Shining? Did you see The Fly? Did you see Poltergeist? And of course, like 90% of the time they're like, oh yeah, love that movie or like Alien or whatever. They're like, oh, I love that. <laughs> exactly. like, yeah, those are fucking horror movies, yo. Like, yeah. so it's just, and I was like, how can you <laughs> yeah. be so close-minded? Like, I don't, how can you be like a fan of cinema or a filmmaker and be com and completely disregard an entire genre of cinema that probably has more to say than like 80% of the rest of cinema, you know what I mean? Like horror, there's so much that people are saying in horror movies and to just disregard that I think is um, foolish and uh, mm -hmm. incredibly close-minded. And I was like, how can you be a true creative if you're not open to all genres of cinema? So that's why I think it's important to be, like cinematically educated. Um, and so, you know, but it is an interesting conversation. And yes, like you were saying, horror comedy is sort of trickier, but I do think that it is, I guess, like can be more accessible because I had a lot of people mm -hmm. with Satanic Panic coming up to me saying like, I don't, I don't really check out horror movies, but this I really liked. And now I want to check out more movies like this. So I think it's mm -hmm. sort of like for people that are a little bit, um, nervous about the genre, I think it's a good stepping stone of like, okay, here's some you can see that you will probably really enjoy that yeah. aren't gonna, you know, that aren't like inside or something that aren't gonna like totally like destroy you, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like not, not all of them are for like, there's some subgenres that I don't always want to watch, but it's like, you know, you find the ones that you like and those are the mm -hmm. ones that you like. And so, you know, you like what you like. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this might be a really hard question, but you can have the same answer for both of these or they can be different. <laughs> what is your favorite horror movie and what has like left the biggest impact on you, whether that's like your work or just your you as a person? Um, oh, God, that's such a hard question. So my favorite <laughs> changes 
she beat me to it. <laughs> so my favorite horror movie that changes, um, a lot. Like it, I, I, I kind of toggle back and forth between a couple, but I will say like, um, the movie that, you know, really sort of when I discovered it, I was like, oh, this movie is incredible. This is what I think I want to do with my life was Night of the Living Dead, the original George Romero Night of the mm-hmm. Living Dead also left a, also left a huge impact on me. Like the ending um, destroyed me. And I was like, wait a minute, we've been on this journey with, with, um, with Barbara and with Ben and both of them die. Like, like I was so <laughs> devastated at Ben's yeah. death at the end that it just destroyed me. And so, and I've gone on and sort of, I've written about um, Night of the Living Dead and, and what it means to me as a, as a filmmaker. But, um, you know, when I realized I was like, oh, horror movies can do this, like that's incredible. So, um, and then in terms of like inspired my work, it's kind of, it's kind of different depending on what I'm working on. So with, um, uh, with all that we destroy, it was very much like, you know, the, the movies I mentioned, um, all of those were sort of big touchstone psycho. I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. So, um, psycho was sort of the big inspiration for that in a way. And then for satanic panic, um, talking about a lot of times people don't talk about modern horror. Usually it's stuff in the sixties, seventies, eighties that people are referencing, but Jennifer's body was probably the biggest inspiration for satanic panic. Um, I love that movie. I think it's so underrated and so incredible and is finally getting like the love it deserves though. It's, you know, years later, but you know, I think there's a lot of movies that we sort of reevaluate later down the road. Um, and that, especially with horror, I think. And so, you know, but I also, there's so many that I love. I also love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I love Near Dark. I'm a huge Catherine Bigelow fan. So, but the list goes on and on, but in terms of like my work specifically, like that's, that's the one. And then for my next movie, I'll, I guess I'll say that the big inspiration is the bad seed for that one. Okay. So nice. Yeah. I'm excited <laughs> to see this next film. Do you have, I know it's probably tough right now because of the pandemic and everything, but do you have an ideal like date of when you'd like to be releasing that? So we're talking about like, again, pandemic pending, like hoping mm-hmm. maybe shooting in the summer, maybe June or July mm-hmm. will be possible. Like we're, we're casting and, um, you know, I actually finished shot listing. Cause I was like, I have time. Um, why yeah. not? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll just kind of have to see, like, if we sh- were able to shoot in the summer, then I'll be posting the entire rest of the year. So it'll be a 2022 release. Um, but you know, we'll see, it just depends on like where it ends up going. If it ends up being like a festival movie or if it ends up on Netflix or like, we guess just kind of have to wait and see, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love working with writers. I love the writer of the script and I don't, um, I write occasionally, but I'm primarily direct. So working with writers is just one of my favorite things. Um, and cause writing I think is, is so, un- it's so difficult. Like it's so hard. I have so much respect for writers. My, my partner <laughs> is a writer and he actually, he wrote, was one of the writers of all that we destroy. And so it's helpful to have a writer in as your partner that you live with. (laughs) Um, but it's, uh, there's, and I think they're incredibly underrated, at least in the future world. Like I want writers, I want my, like my writer, I don't own them. I want the writer, um, on set with me by my side at talk, you know, talking about scenes, especially if stuff has to get adjusted or whatnot. And Mm -hmm. I, and it's funny because in TV, the writer is King. So it's so interesting that, 
um, TV versus features, how writers are sort of treated. And I was like, listen, we would have nothing without the writer. Like it all starts with the story. So, um, and I love to be the sort of vessel to bring that story to life, um, to help bring it to life. So I was like, it should be a collaboration. Like I'm all about collaborating and also with actors and your department heads and, you know, making a film isn't about me it's about us it's like what can we we all do together so it's definitely we instead of me for for me personally process yeah and I think that's why you know people speak so highly of you because that's a very admirable quality to have and it's clearly like gets you good results (laughs) you know I like to think so (laughs) (laughs) do you think that there's not been a female like slasher film where she is like the one leading all the killings, um, you know the genre much more extensive than I do. So that's just something I thought of before. And I'm just curious if you feel like you haven't seen that either or is there a film to-, to Yeah, to- I mean, I think it's, um, there's definitely, the ratio is definitely off. I mean, you know, even though it's not, it's more of a, um, because she's a creature, you could argue Jennifer's body um, because she's sort of killing people. But I mean, the first Friday the 13th is Mrs. Voorhees. It's not Jason. Jason doesn't start killing until the second Friday the 13th. So she's sort of regarded as a female slasher. Um, But that is something that, and we've seen it, you know, here and there in a couple of, a couple of films, Um, but, you know, not nearly as, as much as I'd want to see. So I think we're, I think people are, 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 I think we're getting there. I think, you know, I would love to see more. Cause like you were saying, you know, it's, it's the, the slashers you see on t-shirts are primarily men, whereas the final girls are primarily female. So, mm-hmm. and final girls. So um, exactly. there's, a, there's a couple of final, final boys out there, but um, so it's, uh, it's something that I think is still being kind of explored I mean you could I guess I mean you can't really argue that freaky is because it's technically a man in a woman's body because it's a body (laughs) swap but it does look like it's Catherine Newton like going around like (laughs) killing people so but I think we're you know I think it's when it comes to like um I guess not really straight slashers because like Jennifer's body also like ginger snaps but she's a she's a werewolf so it's I think there's we're touching on it, but I think we're getting close to having that like happen to like that, to get that iconic. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so too. But I was like, I don't think, I don't think it's quite the iconic thing hasn't been made. There's only a handful that are, that are referenced. Like again, you know, what did I list like three of them? (laughs) So I think, you know, and I'm, and I know there's a couple that just aren't coming to me at this moment, but, um, I think, uh, you know, cause otherwise you think of like, um, movies like a uh, 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 basic instinct or fatal attraction or hand that rocks the cradle or you know single white female or like those ones but in terms of like or I think it's I think it's there it's I think more are coming um uh I think we just have to be uh be patient because I think they will they're coming I know that they're yeah. uh, they're uh, <laughs> on their way <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's something that people like are more aware that it's missing and are craving it now totally. than they ever were before. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, one more question along those lines too. Is there anything that you feel like you haven't seen that you've been wanting to see in the horror genre, like any sort of character or scenario or anything that you're just craving to see somebody create? Yeah. Um, obviously like what we were talking about, more female slashers, also more, um, 
I'd, I'd like, like we were, like we mentioned about witch movies. I would love to see some more witch movies directed by women. I think there's the love witch, which is a very different kind of, of film. Um, yeah. But I want to see a fucking scary witch movie um, directed by a woman. I have only <laughs> seen that. So, um, you know, that's, that's something I'm really craving. And I always get like a bee in my bonnet about that. Anytime I see a commercial for another witch movie, I was like directed by a dude. What the fuck? Like, um, which is great, like good for them um, to be able to make those movies. But uh, <laughs> that's something I want to see. And, yeah. um, you know, and obviously like more um, LGBTQ representation um, and really kind of uh, taking what we know is the final girl and let's experiment with that a little bit. So, um, you know, we think a little, and anything that's outside the box, I'm all about and all for, because that's, that's this, the horror genre is the genre to experiment. And that's um, really uh, exciting to me. And every day we're seeing like incredible horror movies and women making incredible horror movies. That's like really exciting to me. So um, I'm excited to see what's to come you know, next year and this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm excited. So we'll see. Yeah. I love that you mentioned too, that that's like the genre to experiment in. And you would mention the love witch, which I just watched recently too, which is like the weirdest movie. I still don't even know if I like it or not. <laughs> like, I love though, that she like really just experimented with like the look and the style of it so much, even more than like the content. Um, because to me, I was like, wait, when was this made? And then I was like, I thought it was made in like the 60s or something, you know, like, and it's just, it's so cool. Femme fan, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Again, I don't even know if I like it, but I'm so glad that I've at least seen it. You know, it's it was really cool. And I love that. Yeah, it is. It's a space to experiment with because, you know, like we mentioned before, there's so many subgenres. There's just so much you can do with it and try. Yeah. And I think, I mean, The Love Witch, I think, is an incredibly brave movie. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, I think just taking that on, like taking on, like, basically, how do you modernize, like, the velvet vampire or whatever? Like, how do you do that in, you know, the, mm. the 2000s? So I think um, she was, when you know what that movie's referencing, she fucking nailed it. Like, Anna Biller just totally nailed it. So mm. um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does next. But yeah, I thought that movie was, like, such a brave undertaking. Yeah, for sure. Because she did like everything with it too, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. I mean, okay, this I'm conversation, I could talk about horror for hours. <laughs> so I'm really like excited once you that start, we got to have you on. Exactly. Just goes, exactly. Yeah. And there's just so many like things you could talk about. But yeah, and I know I'm forgetting like a ton of movies that I'm sure people are gonna be like, wait a minute, what about this one? Like, yes, <laughs> right. all those ones you're suggesting. Yes. <laughs> those two. Yeah. but I'm so glad we got to have you on today thank you so much for chatting with us Um, I'm super excited for your next movie coming out whenever that may be keep my eyes open Um, but yeah I just I'm really glad we got to talk to you and hear how you got your start and what inspires you and what keeps you going yeah well thank you so much for having me I love talking with you both thanks for listening to Femme Regard Podcast if you like what you hear tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the Femme Fam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at femregard.com.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.